fact, there's a great film uh, critic. Her name is Lindsay Ellis on YouTube. She makes a lot of great content talking about the subtext of film and the history of film and all the different stuff that goes on behind the scenes and whatnot. One of the, her greatest videos, I, I think, that she made, video essays, is about, excuse me, that the Transformer movies had to get permission, had to work with military officials in order to use, I guess, like certain figures or like certain costumes or talk about certain things in their script. Yeah. And the thing is, is that like in other countries, you may have situations where the state intervenes in the media and entertainment to a larger degree. That's not as big here in America, with the exception to films that depict police and military. If you create any type of content that that that, that displays the military and the police, and it's not and it's a major motion picture or major, you know, what I'm saying piece of content, yeah. they're gonna want to comb through it, or you're gonna yeah. be denied, or you're gonna or they're gonna come through and wreck your shit to some degree. Yeah, they'll, they'll blacklist you, and you'll be an independent film that no one ever sees. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. won't get distribution on the major networks. Yeah. You can have a Patreon, but, you know, they yeah. might fuck that up for you, too. <laughs> yeah, you can enjoy your small-scale shit, but you're never, like, getting the mainstream if you're, if you're too critical. And the reason why I wanted you to, like, take that and broaden the scope further is because I finally have gotten around to reading the official book on propaganda by the man himself, Edward Bernays. You know, and of course that comes from the earlier 20th century, the 1900s, and was critical in helping a lot of companies that have been around today perfect their PR, their public relations, their marketing relations, and really sell people on products um, because he was one of the figures that was cited by tobacco companies in helping them to sell cigarettes. Yeah, um, and they see very similar tactics used for war propaganda. Yeah, or for anything. I mean, the thing is, yeah. is that like those same ideas are just about catering to human impulse. It's basically how Edward Bernays has laid a really good framework for understanding how to trigger people's um, tastes and motivations and shit. You know, yeah. and his focus. And even though, yeah, he was a corporate. Even though, yeah, he it was. It still for pays him. to read him. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even though he was a uh, corporatist, and I'm sure he would be considered a right winger in many respects. He talks about things very much in a way of just being effective and tries to get away from moralizing, just kind of saying like, hey, this is what is effective for getting people to impulse buy or getting people whom are early adopters to latch on to a particular product or, what, you know, or whatever he talks about. Yeah. You know, it's really just about effectiveness. I think that you – know, I think somebody said that uh, – as a matter of fact, Jake said it to me uh, some time ago. He said everything is a psyop. And I'm sure that comes from something. I don't know if they just made that up. Oh, it's, but, um, it's, it's, a, it's a, a Facebook group. Oh, but is it's, it? It's, it also, <laughs> it's also a funny reflection on all of this crap because so much stuff yeah. is a psyop. Like even yeah. even stupid, unimportant things are a psyop. Yeah. Yeah, they they have like like if, if you look up the list, there's like a list of like I think it's more than a thousand movies now that allow um, that that have gotten like assistance with their scripts from you know the, the Department of Defense specifically. Department mm-hmm. of Defense, like the the voice of the state, if you will, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are like not even like remotely related to any of this. Like some of them are just like comedies, like they're like fucking mm-hmm. dumb rom coms that don't have anything to do with war. Mm-hmm. And you you see it like absolutely everywhere, like like presenting like these same like thematic and simplistic narratives, like in Transformers, in stupid rom coms, in like you know. Uh, simpering, disgusting pieces of crap like Zero Dark Thirty and in uh, American Sniper and all of these mm-hmm. like fawning portrayals of what I would call, I guess, war criminals. 
and they, they, they seek to legitimize the action of the state and to, to cover for the you know, sloppy propaganda narratives. Mm-hmm. Like, one thing that one of my buddies, um, Steve, mentioned to me, and I think it was right around like 2014 or something, mm-hmm. was like there was uh, in one of the, the Avengers movies, which are some of the most heinous, like, you know, propaganda filled, you know, shitty movies that are mm-hmm. all the same movie remade over and over again, mm-hmm. except for Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok, it's, it's okay. It's, it's still, you know, vile and full of propaganda, but it's, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a much better movie than those, most of the rest of the Marvel. But like all of these Marvel movies, like they have mm-hmm. like this, this uh, mentality of like, <clears throat> you know, American exceptionalist thinking, like baked into all of them. And they've been made continuously since like the start of the Iraq war. Mm-hmm. And they're all feeding us these these cultural ideas of, you know, accepting us as the good guys, you know, believing that war is just, that never getting too deep into the political commentary lest we get lost in the weeds and accidentally make, you know, uh, an actual political point. Mm-hmm. But and that, that sort of drifts into what you were talking about, about uh, Bernays and, like, the propaganda. Like, I think it's very critical to do what you're doing and to read oppositional literature about the same topics from alternative perspectives. Mm-hmm. Because if you get lost in your own orthodoxy, then you just end up smelling your own farts. Like after, yep. like mm-hmm. you're like, ah, oh, my orthodoxy is is the the correct orthodoxy. Like I, I have yep. uh, some books, like one from the well PDFs, really. I guess they're not like physical books that I got yeah. off the internet from the Rand Corporation, like a study on you know conducting regime change operations, and also a mm-hmm. uh, a PDF on. Uh, Conducting covert coups and governments produced by the military war college. Yeah, yeah. And like you can read about like the theories of change that like like revolutionary political figures like someone like Mao Zedong would write about like, and you can read about how the security and intelligence services and the military writes about it, and you could see the commonalities. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and like like you said, it's it's kind of interesting to to get the perspective of it. Like you said, Bernays without the flavor of morality to the writing, whereas many mm-hmm. of these leftist authors are, you know, they're, they're moral firebrands. Their morality mm-hmm. is the underlayment of their desire to change governments and societies and class structures. The, uh, the extension of this, this propaganda into uh, what, the, what is now dubbed public relations, like, like mm-hmm. you know, uh, putting out media flags to cover up for your embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you see it in the corporate world, like, everywhere like or celebrities or you know yeah even even prominent youtubers youtubers production companies media companies anyone who gets hit with the scandal like they're they're just as much a part of the propaganda industry as anything else and a lot of them are are very um pointed political actors like like a good example of this is the the me too controversy all the stuff about biden and how about tara reed how she had come forward yeah, to Time's Up, to Time's Up, I think, I think. Like, Time's Up being, like, an actual organization, uh, which was, at that point, I think, operated by SDK Knickerbucker, which is a very, very famous, <laughs> like, uh, K Street lobbying firm in Washington, that this group, you know, that SDK Knickerbucker was run by a Biden um, staff member, or, mm-hmm. you know, someone who was in the Biden political orbit. Mm-hmm. And SDK Knickerbocker which was running, Time's Up, opted not to pursue the reporting on the Tara Reid shit after they had gotten right. people like Weinstein because he was mm-hmm. just a little bit too politically connected. And like this mm-hmm. group, Time's Up, like before that, they were pretty universally seen, at least by the left and like the libs and the folks in the middle, 
like the people who aren't like hard on the right or very very like critical social critical on the left they were like seen as the good guys like mm-hmm. you know the, the exposers of rapists and of uh, sexual abusers and the people who cover them up and prevent their um you know the the, the victimized from speaking to the media and from being heard mm-hmm. uh, the the flex and the controllers of narratives and those people you know they'll only go after <laughs> the uh their own enemies like they won't go after their own guys serve them yeah or they'll go after somebody who isn't as you said not too big of a player because you know the thing is is that like there's always different hierarchies at play and so sometimes they just need a guy to sacrifice yeah exactly because the thing is there may have been excuse me there may have been plenty of you know people in times up whom were like yeah let's take the shot at biden but you know, may have had somebody else come up to them and be like, "Yo, yo, 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 we, we, we can't. Like, we won't. Like, <laughs> like we won't be able to. We would basically be throwing ourselves on the sword, you know, to potentially put a couple of dings in his in his armor. But we don't have enough, you know. what I'm saying right now. Now, of course, that's the more generous perspective. I, I yeah. genuinely do just think that like they actually like Biden and don't give a fuck about his transgressions. That's what I would tend to say. Like, not yeah. even like believe, but like say. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, there's always that factor as well that, you know, there are people whom they may want to take a shot at somebody, but realize that um, their best shot will will most likely backfire. <laughs> Certainly that the SDK Knickerbocker was not willing to take that to court. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> regardless of their justification. But oh, yeah. you, you see it a lot of a lot of other places. Like sometimes you see the, the groups not just as like parts of political parties, but as um, <laughs> as the the entities of intelligence operations mm. like you'll see like i don't know like um like human human rights watch right like they're they're notorious for this what the, i think they uh they backed the uh the guaido government in venezuela when they attempted a coup oh really initially. yeah but like what what they do is they they're like human rights watch like what a name but what do they do okay. they go and lend that name to People who are, you know, acting um, either in coordination with a covert campaign or acting like as uh, illegitimate political actors, or they will work to, to to demonize, you know, political groups operating in foreign countries for the purposes of political change and external media campaigns against them. Right. Like they they were very much like backing, uh, like like the the white helmets, for example. That's another thing. I know it's very spicy. In Syria, in Syria, yeah. Syria, Assad, and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. The contention being that like this, uh, the Syrian army had used chemical weapons against um, United States, or no, against someone in Iraq, Syrian civilians. But like, mm-hmm. like this, this was all this like concocted like piece of propaganda. And yeah, that Assad done, against his own people when he was already winning that particular when he was already winning the conflict. Yeah, and there was there was debunked by all these uh, national security state people who got thrown out of it, like uh, Bill Binney and and John Kiriakou and uh, people who are former parts of the OPCW, the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons. Yes, like they they had been previously, they had been you know intimidated and threatened by people in the Bush administration to go along with claims about Iraq, and here they were, the same thing again in Afghanistan, bullied and threatened and intimidated by John Bolton to to go along with claims about Syria. Like they they gassed us. It's like, well, let's let's look at the broad general use of chemical weapons in Syria. Like, who who uses them like regularly? Oh, uh, that would be the United States. Yep, the United States, and uh, mostly in like airstrikes and shit. 
and you know it gives them to their militias. And how many have times have they used them? In excess of ten thousand. In excess of ten thousand um, chemical weapons have been utilized in Syria by the United States. But who who did this chemical weapons attack in Syria? Oh, it was Assad. obviously Assad. It was Assad. Even though he was already winning the war and he was having a general, you know, I don't know about his like approval ratings and whatnot, but I mean, it wouldn't behoove him to then gas the civilians of his yeah. own nation in the middle of such a severe conflict, you yeah. know, especially when that gathers so much geopolitical interest, because of course this was another one that pitted uh, Russian interests against the United States. Yeah. Uh, and well, the thing, and Syria it, being the only formal military ally in that region that Russia has, and being their only foreign military base, like mm, pretty big okay. deal. We, we got thousands, yeah. thousands of them. They got, they got one handful. handful, handful. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, I didn't realize I wasn't well, like, regionally one handful, like total. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't aware of that as I wasn't aware of that aspect. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's all just lies and goofery. And there's other examples of uh, propaganda operations in those in the Middle Eastern wars, like during Obama as well. There was the the reporting by the Bureau of Investigative Journalism, which is this uh, UK-based uh, journalism nonprofit, mm-hmm. and they exposed the participation. And this is like a perfect example of like the Bernays thing of a British propaganda firm getting a $500 million contract to produce uh, fake Al-Qaeda terrorist videos to go out and be found in raids. And I will Mm. send you my notes to it, which contains the URL to that story, so you can check it all out. But, like, this is is like a... a I remember that story. I remember that story. And, like, it was covered so little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was so well reported on and well sourced, and this is like a mainstream or at least an, an outlet which which can't easily be you know red baited or, or blacklisted or something. Right, right, okay. That did the original reporting on it, mm-hmm. and like that, that's that's why like I was saying at the very beginning like that stuff about like Afghanistan like like it rhymes with and smells like like this this yeah. uh, fake terrorist videos thing. The thing about Afghanistan, you know. The sourcing for the Afghanistan um, troop assassination thing was just intelligence says. Like, whenever they tell you that, like, look at all the other things they've told you. You know, I'm somebody who, you know, I'm sure that most people would probably agree that, look, look, you know, when you're operating at these levels, yeah, you do have to have intelligence gathering and intelligence agencies and whatnot. But then when you couple that, you know, saying this act, this really aggressive uh, propaganda campaign and then controlling the apparatus of media and journalism and then you have a populace like in the united states that's already generally undereducated and um just falls under leadership at least certain large contingents of the united states yeah um it makes it all the easier to get away with it makes all the easier to get away with and now that yeah while a lot of people even conservatives may now say that oh iraq was a mistake and that you know afghanistan was a mistake and whatnot um a lot of them are still pretty tepid about backing away from imperialism or, or even just pulling out of these occupations. Or uh, even recognizing it as a pattern. Or even oh, – you know what? That's actually another thing. They, I, they like to just – they like to just look at shit as a one-off. They try to yeah. be like, hey, you know what? Just give us another chance. You know what I'm saying? We'll get it right this time. And it's like, no, y'all seem to have fucked it up. Ever since World War II, it seems like everything that we've gone and poked our nose into was something completely unnecessary and was just about um, consolidating power, you know, which once yeah. again – I understand that that's what you do. Um, that that's what's you know you do what's most effective um, to get those goals accomplished. If that's what you want, 
but there's no willingness in like the general public to be critical of empire or to identify empire as empire. Well, the thing is, is that like so many people, I mean, don't know. I mean, look how long it took like a Bernie Sanders, you know, how long he's been doing his thing, how long it took for him to gain national uh, acclaim. And then look at the fallout from him dropping out from the uh, uh, ending his campaign for the 2020 race and how it's caused so much sectarianism on the left is that we are just operating with generations upon generations of misinformation lack of information in general not really given the context for for you know all kinds of different shit and so yeah. it's like you know you probably couldn't even go like a lot, i'm sure if you went around to most americans more than half of them if you talk to them about like empire they will probably only think about either star wars or or shit like 500 years ago or a thousand years ago or like 2000 years ago they, yeah. they don't they don't know how to really put it into they don't know how to recognize modern iterations of that shit but I want to go into more abstract ones because, like you said, there was that list of, of, of movies and stuff, and some of them had nothing to do with talking about the military or war or politics or anything like that, but that they communicate an ethics, an ethic that is not conducive to those efforts. And so one of the examples that I brought up, and I talked about this on one of my other uh, episodes of my podcast, is a movie called Old Boy. And it's originally – it's a um, Korean I've film. I've seen that movie. It's yeah, such it's, a weird movie. It's a, it's, I really enjoy it, and um, yeah. you know, there's a lot of interesting – but really at the point at – the, at the end of the day, what it's about is it's just, it's just two men's journey on getting revenge on one another, right? Mm-hmm. And of course you can talk all day about like you know, is the reasoning right or wrong, but it's really just like you following the journey of these two men who have nothing else to live for but just getting revenge on one another. Mm-hmm. And that's it, you know, and, and there's a bunch of other goofy stuff that happens all around that, but that's like the, the center of it. What you may not know is that Spike Lee made an interpretation of this. Oh shit! Fifteen, you know, years later, and I mean, honestly, I go back and forth on Spike Lee. To me, he's kind of like a—he has a hit, and then he has a miss, and then he has a hit, and then he has a miss. That's kind of like—he's a little bit reactionary, and he's a little bit uh, revolutionary, and he's a little bit reactionary, and he's a little bit revolutionary. Yeah, he goes. Yeah, it's it's you know he that and that's and that's him. You know, he's what he does in the film is that he takes away the. I guess like the self-centeredness of the revenge plot by the characters. Yeah. And he tries to make it into something greater like, oh, this isn't about me just needing to indulge, you know what I'm saying, in this just in this, you know, desire. It's I'm doing this to protect my family and I'm doing this for the sake of others. It's that, because this also plays into that of how Americans are taught to look at personal revenge. Because we are taught that you cannot so you cannot vigilantism and so the takeaway from that that I get between those two different iterations of, of Old Boy, the Korean, the original Korean one, and then the American one by Spike Lee, it's, yeah. the, it's, it's, it's the framing of how each society looks at personal revenge. Because once again, in the North Korean one, and this is considered a classic South, film. South Korean one. South oh, excuse, Korean. South, excuse, right. South, this is a yeah. South Korean <laughs> film. Right. <laughs> a South yeah. Korean film. It's considered a classic, and it's beloved by all over the fucking world, and especially in that society, right? You know, I'm not going to make speculations about like, oh, this is how the society looks at this, but it, it's, it's kind of telling that this film is so popular and well-respected and deals with personal revenge in such a direct way where it's not so much like moralizing. It's just looking at how each of these men go about at effectively getting revenge on one another just for purely selfish reasons, whereas in uh, Spike Lee's one, it is a form of vigilantism where he has to right the wrongs before they happen to somebody else. So it's no longer just him doing this out of 
pure selfishness, his own self-centeredness, he's, there's, a, there's a level of heroicism that's attached to it. So it's kind of like displacing so that way you can – so that way you don't have to feel so – so that way you don't have to start asking the questions of like, oh, wait a minute. Is, is either of them in the right or wrong? Like who's in the right or the wrong you know, saying for seeking revenge on one another? Yeah. You know, you don't have to deal with those questions because it's a, it's just framed as no, this person is just flat out the bad guy and they need to die and and by any means necessary and and he's doing it the character he's not doing it for himself he's doing it for his family, you know because it's kind of hard to tell somebody fuck your family don't bother trying to save them you know you're never gonna hear that or you'll rarely hear that you know so it's kind of that's I just use that as an example and 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 Spike Lee's old boy was not popular. Um, it's, it's shit in many different respects. Um, but once again, I just think it's one of those things where it reflects, you know what I'm saying, of what the director, the writer, um, is trying to show about society or what they even feel themselves. Well, it's even in, like, our, like, like, kids' cartoons and shit. Like, like mm-hmm. you, you see the same, like, not from the same perspective as, like, like with those uh, old shows, like, with the Just World Theory, where you're trying to represent that the world is fair and, you know, we're all just getting along and everything's good and fine. Mm-hmm. But you, you see it in, like, like, there's good guys and there's bad guys, and there's not really much, like, moral uh, gray area in, in children's cartoons in terms of, like, what's just and not just. Yes, and in, in the world, there's an immense amount of it. It's almost inescapable in, mm-hmm. in most situations. 